Guess who's back? Back again. Back again. JT's back. Tell each and every one of your friends, tell them all that the Masters of Matinee are back. Happy Tuesday, Blues Day. I did have a question because I may be confused. Tuesday, Blues Day or Blues Day, Tuesday? I think it's either either or, man. It, okay. Whatever, whatever strikes your fancy. Whatever Pink, tickles yeah. your nipples. Pink day, sphinx day. You know what I mean? He's got. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the Masters of Matinee, the go-to podcast for all things physical media related. I am here. I am Teo, the Terminator, joined by JT, the Talking Head. He is the Talking Head, and you are the audience. I love that. Um, that like tidbit that y- y- you do. I think that is freaking genius. I I don't know, man. Sometimes I feel like I'm patronizing the audience by having to tell them what they are. <laughs> <laughs> you are the audience. In you case stay <laughs> your spot. In case you forgot, you're the audience. So <laughs> No, you know what? I feel like people need to be told that. I feel like everyone wants to be on on stage now. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you are the audience. Says the podcasters with 60 viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, man. So you have created this incredible podcast and you have brought so many of the TikTok community together in one place. And uh, you have uh, you have given us a platform to give our uh, like introductions out two people but we want to give you that chance too so this episode is going to be about jt it's going to be about your love of movies it's going to be about some of the projects that you have made which i am so pumped to get into and to discuss and then you and me are actually working on something of a uh, project somewhere uh down the pipeline so we have a packed podcast to get into let's just get started right now is jt your real name uh it's my initials close enough all right this guy checks out okay (laughs) um let's go back wait you you forgot to swear me in I, i didn't put my hand on the bible and everything and swear in um, you know, I don't have a Bible with me. I do have a copy of Kick-Ass. Um, I, have a, so that. I have a copy of Pro Wrestling Illustrated somewhere, somewhere behind me. Uh, maybe a copy of Fangoria Magazine or something. That, that'd probably work you know, out. You know what? They say <clears throat> fake it until you m- m- make it. But I say bake it until you cake it. That's a good saying. Bake it until you cake it. I baked some I brownies last night. <laughs> I made some brownies last night, and uh, they they did not turn out well. Oh, really? Yeah, I followed the directions to a T on the box, cooked them exactly how they were supposed to be, and they ended up being nasty. Like they were, uh, they were hard and like almost like a brownie brittle. Dude, I am not a bad cook. I'm not. I cannot make macaroni and cheese to save my life. I don't know why. And it's not, it's not 
just the pasta because I make killer spaghetti. I make killer chicken alfredo and whatnot. Something about those curvy little bastards. I just, I don't know what it is. I always have to um, have my wife taste test the pasta before I put cheese in whenever I make macaroni. Just because I I don't like the uh, texture of undercooked or overcooked pasta. So I make her try it first. I do like like slightly chewy pasta, but just ever so ever so slightly chewy. A little bit al dente. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, how many movies would you say that you have in your collection? God, that's a you you and you know. Should I pick this bone with you? Because I remember literally probably three nights ago you were on podcast with or not on podcast on, on live with Leo yeah. and Dustin and and Stephen. And somebody asked you guys how many you had. You all like kind of freaked out of autumn. You were like, why do people ask this question? Uh, <laughs> I think that I probably have around 400 Blu-rays, probably five, 600 DVD, and maybe 150, 200 VHS. And when did this collection start? Um, actively collecting when I was in, uh, middle school. So probably, oh gosh, well over 15 years ago at this point. Um, that's like the safe bet, but really I've been at it since I was a kid. I mean, my story is very similar to everybody who's been on this show and it's that, you know, we all kind of grew up in an age before there was streaming. So if you wanted right. to watch a movie, you had to either rent it from a, a blockbuster movie store or a movie video rental store or whatever, right. uh, or you bought it. And so I ended up buying a lot of movies. And I remember as far back as I was a little kid, what do you want for your birthday? I want this movie. I want that movie. What do you want for Christmas? I want this movie, that movie. And nothing's changed through the years. Sometimes the movie collecting slowed down. And, you know, when I got into video games or when I got into pop figures, you know, I have a disgusting amount of both of those and pro wrestling yeah. action figures and stuff. I have that collector's mentality because I collect all that stuff. I collect vinyl. Um, but nothing, yeah. none of those collections are near as serious as my film collection. That that is by far my biggest and my greatest and my favorite and my most passionate about collection and it always has been. Let me ask you: Do you remember the first movie that was like gifted to you? I do. Um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets on VHS. That's a good uh, one. Probably at my fourth birthday party. Mm. Uh, my mom got it for me. And do you still have like that particular tape somewhere? But it's been up in storage in a garage, and uh, yeah, I, I really doubt like it's not taken care of. It's probably trashed by now. Okay. Um. Yeah. Cause like um, with me and my collection today, I don't do anything below Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um. Just because I like my stuff to look you know, clear, crisp. Um, But I do keep a very small collection of DVDs where it's like, but this is the one that I watched. Like, like this is the specific 
you know, copy that I watched when I was a kid over and over again. Um, yeah, and yeah. I know I know that you have a Jurassic Park on Laserdisc too. I do, but that was not from um, <laughs> my childhood. I bought that on Facebook Marketplace. I want to say I'm jealous of that because I want a Laserdisc. Like I I have a thing for dead media. Um, yeah. So I collect. I still actively collect VHS and thrift stores and stuff. Um, the only time I ever buy a DVD actively is through a, th- a thrift store if it's like super cheap. But it's a movie that even if I know it's got a, like, for example, I, uh, Red Eye came out the 4K through Paramount Presents, and it, it mm. piqued my interest. But I'd never seen it, so but I found it in a thrift store like three days after it came out for, on DVD for twenty five cents. So I was like, well, instead of throwing you know, $25 at a Paramount presents title that I don't know about. Like I'll uh, check it out on DVD. And if I, if I dig the DVD, then I'll buy the Paramount presents title and upgrade it and then throw the, throw the uh, DVD back into Goodwill. Um, But like, I don't actively collect DVDs. Uh, Zed and I had a whole ass discussion on this. Um, I think it was off the pod, but uh, cause he, his entire collection's built through thrifting. So he's got mostly DVD. Um, and he's even yet to go to 4k not that i don't think he's against 4k it's just that it's not an it's not an active thing for him to collect for 4k um but can um can you tell can can you tell the like distinction yeah um now some it really depends on the discs um because some discs no you you really can't especially unless especially if you're not looking for it. Like <clears throat> there are certain discs that especially of older movies, um, like from the eighties and stuff. Like if you watch like an eighties comedy or, uh, just a typical eighties action movie, something that's not like super visually stunning, but more just like typical of film. Um, no, it's not going to look that much different unless the scan is drastically different. Like there are movies that have had um, scans that are like Blu-ray scans that are just scanned from the DVD copy and up to 1080p. And those look awful. Um, yeah. They've they've always looked awful. And so when you get somebody go in there with a 4K scan and it looks like the Blu-ray should have looked the whole time, but better. Um, the thing, yeah. with, thing with resolution is that the human eye is fickle with it so a lot of the time like perfect example i'll give it that is the the movie dog soldiers um it's a werewolf movie about a bunch of soldiers and it's one of my favorite werewolf movies and they get trapped in the woods with all these werewolves and stuff and the blu-ray copy of that movie uh was put out through shout factory and they didn't have like any i don't think they had any of the original source material from it to scan the blu-ray and it was like all digital scanned over and over again from the dvd and everything like that the blu-ray that looked awful completely awful and then second sight got a hold of the actual like original film elements and they were able to do a 4k scan and they worked with scream factory and so now second sight in the uk and scream factory in the us released a f- updated 4k scan of that movie and it looks incredible yeah um, so it really it, it's really dependent on the disc that's so intriguing because i feel like so like uh you said that it was who did the uh blu-ray that like came out terrible scream factory but it wasn't really their yeah. fault too much it was because they didn't have the uh the original film elements 
Right. But it's not like Scream Factory is going to like put that like, hey, this isn't like the most, you know, up to date scan, which means that like if you don't know this stuff, if if you're not in the know from talking to people, then it really is a roll of the dice with each kind of purchase. Well, yeah. Um, the fact is, it's always going to be like that when you're talking about <clears throat> about revising old movies. Yeah. Um, it's not like, yeah, the Blu-ray from Scream Factory of Dog Soldiers was sh- shit, but like, it's not that. I mean, the DVD was probably shit too. That and and Scream Factory didn't put out the DVD. You know, or the original DVD yeah. back in the day, like that was probably their only thing that they had to reference from. You know, so yeah. they, it was just them doing the best they can, and the movie's a good movie regardless of the quality of it. Like, yeah, picture quality is important, but it's not as important as a good script, good acting, good direction, good cinematography. You want to, oh, you yeah. want, you want what you're watching to look pretty, but at the end of the day, looking pretty means nothing unless the film that's behind the beautiful uh, visuals are it's good it's got to be good you know so dog soldiers is a great film in my opinion anyway uh i know that's yeah. kind of debated but um it's a great film in my opinion and 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 so i've i, I never owned the blu-ray but i would assume the dvd was was just as shit too so yeah um what is the reason for you uh continuing to collect in 2023 in the years of streaming in the years of digital um what is it that keeps you consistently going with physical so there is uh personal and technical reasons behind that um personally i just i love uh owning what i want to watch which i know is a common answer but i also have that collector's mentality i love like a collector's edition box set um I love the boutique labels. I, I personally am really into the boutique labels. Like I'll buy studio movies, but I, if you guys notice on my channel, I don't buy many new releases. I don't talk about new releases. I didn't buy avatar. I'm not going to buy avatar. And it just came out today as the day of recording this. Um, I, but, but I got mall rats 4k from arrow coming probably tomorrow or the next day. Like, oh, no. I like the boutique labels, criterion arrow and stuff like that. I buy hardcore into that. Um, and so I, I just, I really dig the, the whole collector's mentality behind it. Um, I like having the books that have essays and artwork and stuff. I, I really treat them like a piece of art. I, I display them like yeah. a piece of art. Um, you know, I could spend that much on a painting or I could spend that much on movies. You know, I could, I, my entire movie collection might be able to buy me one. I don't know who's a, painter that's sort of kind of famous like p buckley moss or something might buy me one one p buckley moss painting that you know or i could have a thousand movies that are gonna probably last me for through the rest of my life um and then the technical reason is that i live on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere um so it wasn't always this way i've lived up here for about the last 10 or so years um but we didn't have great internet. Like my internet speed for the longest time was about 16 kilobytes a second. 
and you didn't mishear that kilobytes, not megabytes. Please. Kilobytes. Couldn't couldn't game, couldn't stream. You couldn't do anything. It was slower than dial-up internet. It was literally there for if you needed to send a freaking email. Like, and you could barely do that. Um, yeah. So, like, I didn't have streaming. Like, we had Netflix, we had a Netflix account, and we could sometimes get it to work kind of a little bit, but not really. Like, it was, like, 240p when it would work. And so, collecting movies and stuff was more was still a necessity to us you know we didn't have the video stores to go to anymore because blockbuster closed a long time ago movie gallery closed a long time ago and uh even still those are in the town over and still like a 20 minute drive to get to those and um so yeah we just go to walmart go to i'm still i'm lucky we still have an fye here even though their prices are insane but our fye still has a pretty banging movie collection and their movies are going more toward the boutique labels. They're carrying a lot of arrow and screen factory and stuff now. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. Cause in a lot of ways you are living what has always been my dream, which was to live in an enclosed kind of like isolated area and just have a whole library's worth of like media. Oh, you want to trade lives? Cause I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I love my state. I love my state. I live in West Virginia. I, I, I it's beautiful here. And and the people, let me tell you, the people, uh, they don't get any kinder. Um, we get a bad rep, but the people are amazing here. Um, yeah. But man, our, it seems like our like legislation. Our government and stuff just does not want us to progress into the modern world. They 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 actively are putting restrictions on dumb stuff on, on like internet stuff. You know, like there's no reason no. that that half of West Virginia should be in a spat of internet. The only reason that I have internet right now that's good enough to be on a voice call with Teo is because of Elon Musk. I have that Starlink that that SpaceX internet. There you go. Going to take you straight to the moon. Um, I think if we ever ended up in a Freaky Friday sort of situation, um, I wouldn't be too mad. I think you may have to track me down before I'm like, wait, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Uh, I've never been to Texas. So I'd probably try to enjoy Texas a little bit before. I left. Two man, as long as you got you know uh, two beef patties smothered in you know cheese, you're doing pretty good over here. From from Whataburger. <laughs> from Whataburger, I uh, I need to get done with my Whataburger PlayStation plates. Mm. Um, but then I feel like every time I play PlayStation, I'm gonna be like, man, I need to eat. Like I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like I feel like it's not gonna. You're you're doing the subliminal marketing to yourself, bro. To myself. Whatever we come to. <laughs> Capitalism. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. All right. As smooth of a transition as I can possibly be. No, you know what? We don't do smooth transitions here. We do freaking Tokyo drifts. You <laughs> used to, <laughs> to upload projects onto mm-hmm. a YouTube ch- channel. And I had the privilege 
of checking out a a couple of them. And might I just say, oh yeah? If this video gets 100 likes, I'll release one of them on TikTok. You heard it here first, folks. JT's sex tape is coming out to you. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, uh, and might I just say that you, sir, you are a f- film maker. 100%. That's big praise coming from you because I've seen your stuff too, and I was blown away by it. I showed my wife uh, the gift of the back roads. Uh, oh yeah, going through changes and the uh, trailer for uh, uh, is it called Andrew and Nicole? Yes, it? yeah, that yeah. one. She was blown away, and she wanted before. I'm I know I'm sidebarring us, but she she has a message for you. She okay. said she watched that trailer for Andrew and Nicole, and I told you before that's that mirrors my wife and I's story how we met, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so my wife and I met playing Xbox. I can't remember we talked about this on the pod before. We met playing Xbox uh, on Halo, and she's from New Jersey. I'm from West Virginia, and it took us about ten or so years to actually finally get together. But she moved down here to be with me. So she told me. That to tell you, quote, that son of a bitch stole our story. And if he ever capitalizes on it, he owes us royalties. <laughs> so, well, here's here's the thing, though, is that Andrew and Nicole is a true story. That is the story of me um, and someone that is not my wife, not to give away how the project ends. Um, but yeah, and and. I think that is even really beautiful that like we are not the only people that had that experience. There was something about being um there was something about being on kick in like 2012, man, that I feel like I feel like there's quite a few people out there that have the same ex- experience that both you and I did and maybe they ended up with each other um l- l- like in the case of you and your w- wife and maybe they went, you know, in a different uh, direction. But that would actually maybe be a topic for a great documentary. Yeah, it would be. Um, but when I'm talking about my films today, we're talking about your films. <laughs> and you have such a... So I'm trying to think of how how I want to of this you have the magic eye and what i mean by that is i have seen a lot of projects seen a lot of teen projects i've seen a lot of of student um projects i've seen a lot of college projects and what i have learned is it does not matter what cameras you have doesn't matter what tech you have doesn't matter the script it de- well yes that does but but the most important thing when making a when making a movie a short film a spoken word poem is some people have the magic eye and some people just don't and you sir you have 
the magic eye. In fact, when I started looking at your channel last night, in less than two minutes, I called you and I said, how did you pull off this incredibly detailed he okay so just for context if you guys know what a uh vertigo shot is uh it was it was coined by steven spielberg in the movie vertigo and then he did it again oh wait no he didn't direct uh i think it was hitchcock right yeah hitchcock was vertigo it, it was steven spielberg who who brought it back to the to the uh, modern age in the film Jaws. Um, but it's where you move the camera towards a person while simultaneously going from a from a close-up and you zoom out as wide um, as you can. And so it creates this sort of uh, it creates this sort of tunnel scope type of look as the camera comes closer to your subject and uh you had told me um last night that y'all had kind of used this uh this cheap you know digital camera but the camera's not important you guys had the good sense to do that shot and do it in a way where it looks really great it was a very clean and clear shot and this is coming from somebody who for 10 ye years has tried to pull off a shot like that and has not been able to. Um, and then I watched uh, your short film, The Last Goodbye. And the camera and the camera placement in that film, the way that it's not shot directly on, but it's shot tilted in a sort of Dutch angle. Um, and the use of putting the camera below people and then putting it at like eye level and then putting it slightly above that, just at, just at specific choice points. And I apologize if I'm getting, you know, too, you know, techie. Um, but I'm just like, I was genuinely like impressed and I am a fan of your content and it was very, uh, very, very, very uh, reminiscent to me of a young Sam Raimi, um, which I know some people view th that to be like an insult. <laughs> but to me, that is like a huge compliment. Um, so let me hear from you with these projects and with uh, and with uh, Twisted Figment. Um, which is one more of your um, projects. What was the start of you being like, I want to make my own productions? And then what was that process like of planning it out, writing the scripts, getting a crew? What was it like to record that? Did you use a tripod or did you just get like the closest person that you could to kind of, you know, just, yeah, just I would love to just hear what that period in your life uh was like so <clears throat> twisted figment came from a almost um religious experience of going through 
major depression, major anxiety, and finally getting up one day and being like, I'm sick of this shit, and I want to go do something, anything. And I'd always loved movies, and I'd always made videos online, um, but they were all like just video game based. Um, and so I'd seen Clerks from Kevin Smith a whole bunch of times. Um, but one day I was watching Clerks, which, cause it's one of my comfort movies to watch that. And one day I was watching it about 10 years ago at this point, And, um, I turned on the bonus features and Kev was talking about how he, in one of the features, how he like financed clerks and how he had gotten a half ass, literally half a film school education at the Vancouver films, uh, film Academy and literally like quit halfway through, did not complete the course, went back home to New Jersey, sold his comic book collection, maxed out his credit cards and for $27,000 made clerks the movie that captured the world in 1992 or at least the u.s at least the working class u.s in 1992 and so i was like it was literally a story of well if that fuck can do it i can do it (laughs) so oh yeah i uh i at the time was playing in a garage band because i play guitar i play a lot of instruments but I was playing in a garage band with this guy named Matt Phillips, who and to this day, I believe is probably one of the greatest guitarists uh, to ever live. And uh, I hope that one day he will go back to music. I don't think he's doing music right now, but he's a major, massive shredder guitarist, man. Um, and we were talking about the idea of making a short film or, or maybe even a full, full length picture. Um, and so, Twisted Figment was kind of born out of that desire of me and Matt's friendship and wanting to do something different. You know, uh, the garage band was, was fun enough, but the, this was something completely different. It was out of our realms. Matt had a camera and, um, he, I'll, I'll be clear in saying he, he, we wouldn't have had that movie if it wasn't for him. Um, yeah, he was you want to talk about magic eye man that magic eye matt helped me on that picture in particular matt was the biggest collaborator with setting up those shots and he was the biggest techie to help me figure out how to do those shots um unfortunately i'm not in contact really with matt anymore so i'm sure he's not listening to this but uh if he somehow ever does thanks matt uh you were awesome our our film partnership there was great um so yeah the the script for that movie came from a place that i simply just really wanted to do something different um i still maintain this belief that there aren't enough uh women killers in horror it it's one of those things where Women are almost always the damsel in distress, and I am a sucker for a good female killer. I loved Pearl and X. Uh, when Ty West made Pearl, that was almost the message that I was trying to deliver with Twisted Figment 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I loved uh, American Mary. Have you ever seen American Mary? It's a good 
it's a good body horror with a female slasher. Um, okay. And so I really wanted a female killer, but I had to give her a reason to be a killer because it wouldn't have been smart to just have this high school girl go completely ballistic. Um, so it's also kind of religion based and that there are demons and the whole thing is that it's personal demons. So there's three demons in the film. There are three brothers. Um, there's Shug. Um, I can't even remember the second demon's name. It's been so long since I wrote this stuff. I can't yeah. remember the second demon character's name. Which were which were all the different demons played by you? Yes, uh, and they were not supposed to be. <laughs> no, but 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 that was really interesting because I did kind of pick up on the fact that, like I think these are like different characters. At first, it was a bit hard to to tell, but uh, each one of them had a a different type of like black paint. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of put on them. That was interesting. And uh, now this film, Twisted Figment, was unfortunately never um, completed. But that's why I wanted to discuss this with you because if I if we hadn't brought this up, I would not have known that it was like multiple, you know, demons and multiple spirits. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah the the demons are like think of them as personal demons. They're your inner demons. They're your inner most darkest thoughts they're the ones that that the intrusive thoughts that tell you to touch the hot stove right yeah they're the ones that that ha- that hold the secrets that you hide from everybody including yourself sometimes um so there's three main characters in the film there's marla marla crane who is the ma- the leading lady uh, and she's this teenage girl who's just graduated college or high school and she's getting ready to go into college. Uh, she's got a mother bringing de- breathing down her neck and she suffers from depression and anxiety. And, um, her personal demon is Suge, who is this like, uh, top hat wearing, um, deep voice, deep, kind of, kind of guy. And, and he, um, is really the devil on her shoulder that tells her that it's okay to give in to the pressures and, and snap. And so through possession quote, um, he takes over her and possesses her. And that's it's quote, Shug doing these acts. And then there is, uh, Chuck. Oh, the, the demon that's for Chuck is James. It's James. Um, so, Chuck is this football player, jock guy, douchebag, um, but he is not what he seems. Um, so he is trying desperately to get with Marla, but he doesn't actually want to uh, because deep down he knows that he's gay. And mm. that knowing that and having to put on this facade of being, you know, in football and trying to get a girlfriend and all that shit drives him crazy. And that's when his personal demon James comes in to take over him. 
and uh, James ends up taking it over to where Chuck snaps, and they end up killing Marla. And but Marla's not actually dead. Marla comes back, um, possessed as Shug after James and Chuck kill her. Now the whole time that this is happening, James is being personified. Um, so the way that you can look at it is that it's kind of like a fight club thing. Um, Marla, when she's around Chuck would not be able to see James, but Chuck would be able to see James. Um, so they kill Marla. Marla comes back and then you have this third character, um, cricket. And I want to sidebar on this real quick because cricket was played by my good buddy, Michael Cox and Michael didn't know acting two ways from Sunday, but my God, I still maintain the belief that that man was born to act. I think he should have gone into acting because he was the only person we worked at that knew his lines left and right and knew exactly how to deliver them and take direction from a director Mm -hmm. and, and, and actually understand like on a, on a deep connection what I wanted to see on screen. And he was able yeah. to con- to convey exactly that. Like he was a director's wet dream. I couldn't have asked for anybody better. I wish I'd cast him in the lead, like mm. instead of the side character cricket, but cricket is a, um, he is in love with Marla and he's her best friend in the world, but she kind of strings him along. Like she has her own reasonings, like, you know, but she's not innocent in it. Like she kind of knows that she's doing it and she doesn't want to let go of him because, you know, if she lets go of him, then she loses a friend. She loses somebody that's going to pay attention to her and stuff and all that. And, um, her mother hates cricket because cricket does like, he smokes like weed and stuff. He's a stoner. He's your typical like high school stoner. Um, which is, I wrote that character to be very reminiscent of Michael. Uh, as well because he's that's that was his personality um and so michael uh michael's character cricket when marla kills herself after she kills james and chuck uh gets her revenge um she kills herself as a way to free herself from shug's mind control possession whatever you want to call it it right in front of cricket and there was a scene, if you noticed in the scene, he's running down that gravel road and he's limping and he's limping because what you didn't see is that a couple scenes earlier, uh, Marla hit him with her car on purpose. Yeah. She was possessed as Suge and she hit him with her car. Um, that was actually a scene that was in the, in the script, but we never actually got to even shoot. Um, but so he's limping down and Marla slices her throat open and kills herself. And then there's these cops that have been, um, invent cause Marla went missing whenever Chuck and James quote unquote killed her. So yeah, there's these cops officer Bonet, but his partner, Tracy keeps calling him bonnet, which is throughout the movie. You don't really see that conveyed in the trailer, but throughout the movie, it pisses him off and stuff. And so they're like these kind of, Texas Ranger type guys, Walker, Texas Ranger cops. Like they're, they're yeah. the, the sheriff kind of guys, you know, they don't wear police uniforms or wear a cowboy hat and have a big chaw in their jaw and spitting and everything and, and all that. 
and uh they pick cricket up and stuff and then in the in the way on the way on cricket's way to jail is when cricket's inner demon comes out which is kane um who is a kind of a double entendre personification of both cricket's um both cricket's inner demons and then also of kane from the bible uh kane who Mm. killed his brother abel um because he appeared after somebody who was practically Cricket's sister died. Um, and now Cricket is being blamed for the death. So Kane appears, tells him to uh, to <clears throat> free himself and kill the cops. So it's left ambiguous at the end there. If you see, it's one of my favorite shots where Cricket puts the gun to his head. And if you notice his, his finger ever so slightly starts to grip and squeeze that trigger and then it cuts it's left ambiguous and the truth is is it would have been left ambiguous in the final film too it never would have been you never would have heard a shot you never would have seen anything um because i wanted it to be up to the audience to decide and the message was are your personal demons uh worth giving up your life to, to bow to i feel like there's a lot we could do with that I feel like there's a lot in that universe and a lot with that concept that is still left to be told. Um, in fact, you uh, have sent me a treatment um, for a short film that we want to work on together and uh, collaborate. And while I'm here listening to you explain sort of all these characters and their origins and 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 where they come from. I'm like, does this new short film does this take place in the same universe? Because oh, I think that'd be pretty cool. It would be. Um, everybody I know has been begging me to go and and remake Twisted Figment. Um, my issue is that it's it's one of those things. Like, and I'm sure that you feel this as an artist yourself is when whether it is completed or not, when you are able to mentally move on from a project, you're moved on. And oh, yeah. I took Twisted Figment and I sulked on it for years and I was like, man, I wish I could have finished this and blah, blah, blah. And then finally I just moved on and I did other stuff. And I was like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with what we got. Like it was an experience I wouldn't take back and it was lessons learned. And, and so, I mean, I'm not opposed. Like, I will never say never. And if we want to try to, if it ends up working its, itself into the same universe, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be opposed to that. Um, but overall, you know, it's 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 just one of those things where it's like, you know, it happened, it happened. Um, I can tell you for sure, though, that the film "The Last Goodbye" takes place in the same universe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's actually get into that. Let's get into the last good bye. Um, because this is the very last short film that you have posted on your previous channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not on, on your current channel. Was that a coincidence or was that done by choice? Uh, maybe subliminally by choice. Uh, it... At that time, everybody was kind of getting tired. We were—I knew that we were going to be not making anything for a while. Um, yeah. So, 
it might have been subliminally by choice, but not uh, or unconsciously by choice. But it wasn't actively like I I was never opposed to ending it. Um, but at the same time, too, you know, I'm not sorry that it ended like the that channel and stuff was all fine and dandy. But it was a collaboration with a bunch of friends from high school that, you know, just. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, one thing I love ab- about your films is how like open to interpretation um, that they are. And I would actually like to see kind of a more up-to-date, like a more like revitalized version of The Last Goodbye because you have this person walking out to this grave and... Uh, and it really is just sort of like a one-man sort of monologue of, I guess, what they wanted to sort of tell um, this person. But I freaking, I absolutely love how there's a part where you have a um, a, uh, a bottle of a liquor and you see a person's hand and arm reach into the shot and take it but the way that i kind of interpreted that is that was all sort of within his own sort of consciousness is that the correct way to sort of take that or you can take it however you want man all of my like like i said man everything that i make is pretty ambiguous and it's up to the audience to fill in the gaps um there's a all I will say is there is something to be said about the film being shot in first person from a dead man. Yeah. Um Yeah. The everything was meticulously placed in that shot from uh because if you notice, like from the moment that the man steps up to the grave to the moment he walks away, everything is very meticulous from the way that the when he hands the dead man the bottle, uh, it's about three quarters full, and when the dead man hands it back, it's less than a quarter full. And the joke there is that the the man was always an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and so that could leave the interpretation up to well, did this man drink himself to death? Is this a sad death? Is this a you know the man's there? It's been fifteen years since he's seen him since since the man died. So, um, and then the vape pen, I wished it was a cigar. We didn't have any cigars. I just had a vape pen on hand. Cause looking back now, it's handing a dude a vape pen, a little bit cringy, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, he like, even the way that he smokes it and you can see, you can kind of see a little bit of the, the vape coming up, the cloud coming up in the air in front of the camera and everything, so when the man walks away and then if you notice the camera pan, it's like it's panning like the dead man is sitting up in his grave and looking at his friend walk away from him. Um, yeah. And then we, we turn around and look back and there's nobody at the grave. So it's, it's really, you can get out of it, whatever you want from it. I intentionally left it like that to where people could, could kind of pull whatever message they felt they needed to pull out of it. Um, I think my message was to the world about in that film was that it's a zombie film. That's not a zombie film. 
you know it's it's yeah. i i like the idea of thinking about somebody that you miss so much and then imagining it so hard that it's almost like they're there in front of you i don't know if you've ever had any like serious loss in your life uh like that like like a parent or anything but like when you do it's it's almost like you see them everywhere you go and you know that that's not them and you know it's not real and so it's you know you can get I, i get things out of it here eight years later i get different things out of it than i did when i intentionally made it in the first place yeah um let's go ahead and jump over to your current channel which is at jt petri um and your most recent project is a spoken word poem called just be honest and there was a lot in that that really hit home and really hit hard with me and really connected with me i i understand a lot of the points that you were trying to make um and i'm and i'm right there with you on a lot of the things that you know get you pissed off and a lot of the things that you're like why can't we be more honest in regards to this or to that or um or like or like why can't we view the world in a different way than we've kind of been trained you know um to kind of take it all in uh with that poem was that was that written prior and then you kind of wanted to add like a more like visual kind of component to it or was that like always intended to kind of be like a short film spoken word poem you know or so the development of it was last semester because this i released this a few months ago um like when Teo says it's my newest project, it is my newest. It's only a few months old at this point. Um, I'm in college right now for a business management degree. And even throughout the degree, you have to, pl- you have to do English classes. So I was, I was in English too last semester. It's my last English class of my degree. And we covered a lot of poetry and there was a bonus assignment. It was like 10 extra points. If you write your own original poem, it could be about anything that you wanted it to be just write a poem. And so I didn't even need to do that. I, the, the bonus points for it didn't affect me. Like I already aced the class, but I did mm-hmm. it for fun. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write this, but I don't know what to write it about. Cause I've written poetry before, never published any yeah. poetry, but I write it for fun in my own time. Um, so around that time that I was kind of thinking about doing it, there was a little movie that came out. Uh, and I doubt any of you have ever heard of it. it it's super small. Um, it's called The Whale. You know, it won this award though. It was called a freaking Oscar. I'm pretty sure my mom's cousin's dog's best friend recommended this to me. Yeah, like not a lot of people heard about it. it went really under the radar. Um, do you remember Brendan Fraser from Encino Man? Like George of the Jungle? <laughs> yeah, the freaking mummy. Like he hasn't done anything in years and he was in this. Yeah. Like he did this and it's like, you know, it's all whatever. So yeah, this little, this little tiny indie film called the whale by, uh, this, this, this filmmaker named Darren Arnofsky, um, really inspired me because there's this scene in it. Have you seen it? First of all, first of all, 
I haven't. I've been wanting to watch it. Okay, I'm gonna try to teeter around spoilers here because it's it's really good. You need to watch it. Um, okay. it. Matter of fact, it's probably one of my favorite films that's ever been released. Um, so there's this scene where Charlie, the main character, uh, is having a meltdown, and like you know the premise, right? Like that he's oh, yeah. he's yeah, going yeah. into like congestive heart failure and pretty much gonna die because he won't get medical help. Yeah. Like that's explained like very in the beginning. So I don't come at me for spoilers. It's literally the plot of the movie. Um, so he is having a meltdown and he's, he's a teacher. He's an English teacher online. Like he does online courses. And one night during a meltdown, he sends an email out to his students and says pretty much like, fuck the assignments. Just write something honest. Just be honest with me. Write something from your heart. Just be honest. And so I was inspired to just be honest and and put into poetry how I really felt because in this world, and I'm going to get a little bit socio-political here. It's not the intent of the show to get that way. But in this world, I truly feel like art is overly suppressed by um, over-moderation of the social system in our world. Uh, Twitter and TikTok and all that as much as I love TikTok and it's not it's not a liberal or a republican thing it is a people don't know how to deal with other people and they don't know how to leave other people alone thing and mm-hmm. it, it, the way I see it anyway but nobody can take just leave me the fuck alone for for an answer you you can't let people be everybody has to push their own personal private agendas on the world and that's really where that film came from because it's a it's a world that we're living in that is so driven by connection. Um we're evolved apes. We do not have the mental capacity to be talking right now um to each other. It, it's amazing that I'm sitting in my bedroom talking with Teo and we're talking from West Virginia to Texas. Let alone when I talk to friends in California or across the world in Europe, or we have TikTokers in our community that are from freaking Australia. Like it's insane that we can communicate right now, but that communication as well as the aspects of different social backgrounds and different political backgrounds make it to where when somebody else appears on your screen in front of you, with a different social background, it offends you uh, because they might see things differently and might express those different feelings in a way that is completely foreign to you. And so that was kind of the whole message of, of just be honest is that, and I said it at the end, the world could be so beautiful if we weren't so connected. And Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that because another message too, is that, because of all this stuff, because of social media, because of constantly being connected, because of the 24-hour news cycle, we are always exposed to negativity. 24-7, scrolling through your TikTok FYP, you're going to come up on a video about, like, you know, we might be on Film Talk one day just talking about movies and stuff, and then scroll to the next video, and it's um, a protest for a cop that shot a black man or it's people crying because of a school shooting or what have you. 
it's these stories used to be isolated to once or twice a day on the news. And then the people who wanted to hear the news would tune into the news. Now it's fed to us, whether we want it or not, unless we completely disconnect ourselves. And to me, that's a problem because social media is useful. It's very useful right now. What we're doing is useful and it's productive and it's good for our own mental health to have conversations like this and make this show. But if I go to TikTok later today and I'm scrolling through and I see something that's really disturbing, then it might ruin this whole vibe of the day that I'm having. And that's a problem. And that's what that film was about. Yeah. And and that's happened to me plenty of times where I have woken up and I have gotten out of bed and I was like, I'm going to grab a thing to eat. I'm going to be on TikTok for like a tiny little bit and then I'm going to you know, jump into whatever plans I have. And in that like two to five minute time span that I'm on TikTok, I find out about something taking place or somebody that was killed in a way that was not, you know, just or whatever the case. And that two to five minutes turns into like two, turns into like two and a half hours of me like diving into the whole story, watching the most up to date, you know, you know, stuff. And yeah, no, I, I definitely understand what you mean and I get where you're coming from. And that's one of the reasons why I started making TikToks and why I love the whole, you know, movie talk and film talk uh, community. And uh, this was a thing that you and me were talking about uh, last night. But like we can just love movies, you know, and uh, and you are absolutely right that like, you know, me and you come from two different walks of life. And and like and I don't know all of your beliefs on each and every topic and you don't know my beliefs on each and like every topic. We can both agree that, you know, that Terminator 2 is incredible. Yeah. And and none of the other stuff is important when we're talking about Terminator 2 mm-hmm. or when we're talking about this film or that film or, mm-hmm. and, um, and, well, and that is, yeah. Let me preface too, by saying, I don't give a shit what you believe in. I don't care. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I don't care. Oh, well, yeah. Like, like you could, it, you or anybody, it's this, it's this way for anybody that I speak to. I don't care what your religious backgrounds are. I don't care what your race is. I don't give a shit about your sexuality or your, uh, gender orientation uh, or identity. I don't care. It, it doesn't bother me. Your beliefs, your lifestyle does not affect me in any way. What you do in your own private time in your bedroom has zero effect on my life. So I don't give a crap. Uh, all I care about is if, if, if you spend your life uh, being a kind person and making sure that whenever you can, you put that kindness into the world, then you got my respect. You got my my love and admiration. Like that's all I care about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and uh, and let me, I guess, sort of clarify that it's not like if I knew your belief that 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 it would change my outlook on you or my view because because I think people are their like actions, and so it's it's um it's it's just like you were kind of talking about. Yeah, like if you're being kind, if you're spreading um um positivity then all the other stuff isn't as you know 
crucial as we're kind of made to believe you know but yeah no so i uh if if you guys are listening right now i would definitely recommend y'all go check out jt's youtube channel uh hopefully it will be linked below and uh let's because because we got a little bit of time left um let's go ahead and dive into this treatment so just to catch you guys up up to speed um me in my current state of texas i have a good a good plot of uh land that belongs to some people that i am close to and i've brought up the idea of like hey like we should use this to make like a short film project and i've spoken with them and they were like yeah like whatever you want to you know uh what whatever you want to like do you have complete access and uh and the property consists of tons of trees a pond uh multiple clearings multiple camp grounds it's a big space and so i wanted to use this as an opportunity to bring the tiktok community closer together i wanted us all to collaborate on one project and we all love um movies and and the majority of us like jt and like me have have gone out with a camera and tried to make our our own um our own pro our own pr projects that were inspired and influenced by the movies that we love and the and the movies that we uh like enjoy so i put this out on my tiktok and said like if you guys have any like concepts like please um let me know because i want this to be as like collaborative as possible and you were one of the first people to actually uh respond and like you I was just the put, first yeah and you just put three words that gripped me so hard you said or two words three i don't know you said western slasher and i was like oh hell yeah that sounds <laughs> freaking incredible and so i reached out to you and was like hey can can you kind of give me like a more kind of like fleshed out sort of concept and you sent me this two-page treatment which i, I uh, want to pull up so i just have it as reference um but i uh want you to kind of um I want to give you a chance to kind of ex explain it in your own words to the people. But like, what, what was your, what was your concept for this like Western gritty slasher film, which you kind of touched on previously about wanting a female killer, um, which I agree hundred percent. I think that would be inc inc incredible. So yeah, um, <clears throat> my thing is is that it's a revenge story, but it's not a revenge story for. Um, well, let me ask you this, Taylor. Do you want me to like if we end up going with that concept? Do you want me to add the spoilers in? Because there are some stuff in there that that are pretty spoilery. Yeah, like so. To me, it's not about like keeping it a surprise but it's more about like come with us each and every step okay so the so, concept so, yeah okay yeah 
the con the overall concept is a revenge story for um for feminism uh it's a trope in horror films it, look at films like i spit on your grave last house on the left uh women get mistreated they get sexually assaulted and raped um they get brutalized and then they take their revenge right so the reason this is not a personal revenge story but a revenge story for feminism is that uh this story gets its revenge before anything bad happens to the woman um so essentially the plot that i came up with uh that is that a we're in post civil war american south in texas and historically after the civil war the south got the shit into the stick i mean not saying they you know didn't deserve that but they did and it was very it, it caused a lot of hard times for people um and that's what kind of led to the rise of the wild west and outlaws and stuff uh uh robbing and pillaging and stuff because it was desperation so you have this group of men who go to a ranch um under the guise of becoming cowpoke uh ranch hands uh to help this uh this farmer who is a uh former i, I think that that's a captain in the uh union cavalry uh yeah. from pennsylvania and he moved out to texas after the war and uh yeah. so he um he's there with his daughter and his wife i get we don't really explain what happened to his wife she he doesn't have a wife anymore i guess um so he uh hires these ranch hands but these ranch hands are not ranch hands they're a band of outlaws and they have this plan to uh kill the farmer and his daughter and and rob him and and take everything they have and ride off into the sunset with their loot and uh the daughter overhears them planning it one night um but the whole thing is left ambiguous. We don't know this, that she heard them. And so, but, but she does know. And they are also talking about, you know, doing all sorts of nasty things to her. Um, so slowly one by one, the men start disappearing in gruesome ways. Um, there's a slasher on the loose. My idea was to build the slasher in a way where, you stuff them or something, make them look very manly, make it look like, like maybe it's the farmer who's the slasher. Yeah. And then at the end, in the final showdown, the killer takes off their mask and it's actually the farmer's daughter. That's been doing these crazy things. And I'm talking about, let's make her do absolutely nuts, kill stuff that you wouldn't stuff that you would see like Jason Voorhees do. Let's, let's have her get some kind of supernatural type, like strength and be able to yeah. throw these guys around, you know, like, like she's got to be big, you know, uh, and and it, it's not that's not going to be an easy feat to um, to pull off, but I think that if we can pull it off, that would work well. Because then at the end, the uh, it's revealed that she was the one who ever heard them talking about that, and she was the one who was taking her revenge before she'd even been actually slighted. And I I think yeah. that I like that idea just because it's it gives her reason to do it but it's all a protection instead it's all preemptive instead of revenge so i really love that concept i love how, how you said it, it's a revenge story for 
feminism. It's a revenge story for the classic horror movie tropes, which I am not big on. Um, there is a, there was actually a, a screenplay that I was writing, and and I want to turn it into a novel. Um, but the lead is a woman who has a bloodlust and who wants to go on this killing spree. And I had workshopped that screenplay with a couple of people and they all were like, she needs to have like something happen to her. Like she, like she needs to get uh, raped or she needs to kind of have some sort of tr trauma. And it's like, no, like, I, I don't want to like, do that. That that's not, that's not crucial for this character to be realistic or believable or intimidating. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really picking up what you're, what you're putting down here. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, the, the simple fact of the matter is, is that women can snap just like men can. There are women serial killers out there, you know, in, in real life. And so some of them, sure, it's probably caused because of trauma and stuff, but some of them just, you know, I don't like using this term, but they ain't born right. You know, there's something chemically imbalanced in their brain that makes them have these uh, antisocial tendencies. Um, yeah. Like take, I mean, this isn't a female example, but take Dahmer, for example, you know, he, oh, yeah. his, his uh, problem was mostly sexual regression and oppression. Uh, and had he had somebody to come and be like, Hey, it's okay to be gay. Probably wouldn't have killed anybody. If he had grown up in, in this day and age where, where there's, we're currently in pride month. I don't think that Dahmer would have snapped. Like, I think that it was there, there was a reason for that. And, you know, it was traumatic, but then there's also, you know, there's just those people that just are not, you know, chemically right in their brains that are just crazy. Like, I don't like the word crazy, but they are, they're, they're, they're nuts. And so I think that you can have a, a story about that. I think you can have, you know, a story where, the uh the the lead is is just absolutely batshit insane. <laughs> I mean, look at the yeah. Joker. Look at the Joker. We don't know his backstory, but he's yeah. he's crazy. He we don't know why he does what he does, but he does it. So here's kind of where like the universe connection stuff I think could maybe uh come into like play. Because I like the the concept that you're talking about about when the killing is taking place, it is this like big spirit, right? Um, like you're 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 not gonna be able to 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 tell that it's the uh, daughter. Um, I would like for something at the end where you know she's revealed to be the killer. She kills the last of the like outlaws. Um, and then you hear her talking to like a uh like spirit. And then if 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 we could get some like voiceover, I would love if you did that like. Sh type of like voice it's like very like reminiscent of a like venom to me 
and like it and like it it it, it may not have like physically been her that was doing all of this like it may have just been her like controlling this like spirit or like whatnot but or, like i don't know yeah or what if you made it like um your portrayal so like these outlaws are noticing their friends going missing in such a gruesome way and they're getting picked off one by one so what if throughout the film we show this big meaty character and that's from the outlaws perspective of what they're seeing yeah that's killing them um so because they've they've built it up in their heads is like they're so far from the belief that a little girl could kill them like this you know Mm -hmm. so they've built up that the only it it would take a monster to um to to do these acts you know and and so like what if it's like that like where and then at the end like you could have a scene where it's kind of flashing like maybe from the last outlaws perspective he's laying on the ground killer slowly moving toward him with like an axe or some shit and it's like flashing in and out like you see like a scene of the the killer and then it flashes and it's the farmer's daughter covered in blood drenched in blood and stuff and then it flashes back to the killer and flashes back to the farmer's daughter and i think that's awesome yeah yeah, like 110%. Do you think that's doable? Oh, yeah. Now, a thing that I think may not be doable, but it's an easy workaround. Uh, we may have to m- modernize it. Um, so this property, I know that they just renovated, like, literally everything. <laughs> so, like, I... Uh, I did go there like two years ago and they had like this really old, like rustic cabin. And uh, I went there like a month ago and it looks like a brand spanking new house. But if you look at a movie like Logan and the scene where the uh, the uh, Wolverine clone, you know, um, comes into the to those one to the uh, the people that they had a dinner with and like all that um that's a very western film that takes place in the like a current age is there a barn there is a barn but the barn is renovated as well okay that's not a big deal we can still keep this in western time we just don't use buildings you don't need buildings you don't need that to portray a time period um we could set up, we could have their, you know, we'd have the outlaws camping instead of sleeping in the barn or something or sleeping in the house. They could be, they could have a camp set up. We could get some sheets, some bed sheets and sticks and make some makeshift tents and yep. um, put a, put a campfire yep. up and stuff. And, and that's their little camp. And then when they meet the, um, when they meet the, the rancher, the, the captain from the cavalry, they don't have to beat at the house. You know, they could, you know. He could meet him out in the well, field and it could be suggested that that's like the front of his property, like the, the end of his property. Yeah. And like we can have him be like, if like, oh, like if you boys like need anything, I'll be out like in the like big house. Mm-hmm. But the big house never has to be on screen. Yeah. It's a, it's a character driven story. It's not. And it's, and it's a world driven story. You don't have to have buildings for it. Um, yeah. Another thing that I was wondering, too, um, there's ghost towns all over America. That, like little like towns that are preserved from the wild west and uh they're you know set up for touristy stuff 
I wonder, because yeah. there's got to be a ton of them in Texas, man. Because Texas was like the Ooh. mecca of that. Yeah, dude, I've I have been to a freaking t- t- a ton of them. So I wonder if we could get a hold of one of those and be like, kind of ask for permission to go and film in one, like after they close or something. Say we're doing a film or whatever, and I don't know if we'd have be able to get the permission or not but i mean it might be a little worth looking into because you could do like an opening scene in a wild west town to just kind of do the setting and you have the yeah. uh the outlaws and stuff there maybe doing their planning or whatever in a saloon or something i don't know man like i mean it, no, i just yeah. know these kind of ghost towns exist all over our country so it no, might be yeah, worth dude. looking into um, there are places on the outskirts of where i live uh, it's a bit of a drive, but if we go down to like a, a Galveston, there's a shit ton of old buildings and you know ghost stuff and I mean all that, yeah. Um, and then the property is a closer to like San Antonio, um, I want to say, and San Antonio is freaking stocked with ghost stuff have uh have 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 you ever heard of the um of the um train tracks so in san antonio there are these ghost train tracks and the way that the story goes is there was a school bus that got that essentially broke down on the train tracks and it was packed with kids and they couldn't move the bus in time and the train came and it killed them and if you go park your car on top of the train tracks and put it in neutral, the kids will push your car past the tracks. And if you put baby powder on the back of your car, you will you uh, when they push it. If if you walk back there, there will be prints and things like that. Nice. And uh, we and uh, we have uh, done it before. It's been a while. Um, since i've been there but yeah i know man if 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 you come down here which is a thing that we have kind of um talked about but if you come down here man there's some there's some spooky shit hey if i can afford it i'll be there man that's what i'm i yeah you're you're looking to shoot this when uh around january okay so Um, so so half a year or so yeah yeah, so I want to give ourselves plenty of time to write the script. I'm kind of already doing casting in my head because I know a few people. Um, like the the dude to play the like old man, the like uh, rancher. Like I have him down. Um, I have down one of the 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 outlaws that I've worked with on a uh, previous project, and just. Yeah, man, I got some, I got some good ideas, and then I definitely want to discuss this a lot more with you. I know we're running out of time right now, um, but I, I want to dive in with this with you more, and we can do it and record it for a podcast, or if you just, or if you would just want to chat. Um, I'm sure that we can, we can do both, just chat and uh, flesh it out more on the show and stuff. Um, I definitely want to be more involved, man. I mean, I can help you direct it too, if you would like my help with that. Um, but one thing I was thinking too, what do you think about making it a grindhouse style movie? I 
would have to watch more Grindhouse. I can give you some recommendations. Oh, yeah. Please do. You did uh, recommend one to me uh, not too long ago. Uh, What was it called? The one that you had watched on your TikTok. Was it uh, Girls School Screamers? Girls School Screamers. That was it. That's not so much Grindhouse as it is just cheesy. Um, okay. I would recommend to go for more of the aesthetic. It's more of a, Okay. Uh, that fan-made music video you directed for uh, She's Long Gone by the Black Keys. Yeah. That aesthetic where it looks like it's shot on film and it's dirty and it's nasty. Okay. Like, like not to yeah. say that in a negative way. That's just like you have no, a lot of filmic elements in that, in that yeah. video. It looks great that's visually that's my favorite thing that you've done is that music video okay. because it's it's my style it's it's grimy and it's grungy and it's it looks dirty um and it's supposed to because that's a that's the theming of that video um i'm talking like that like let's make it look like it's shot on like on like 70 millimeter film you know we should definitely yeah i think that'd be cool Whenever we've talked about it, I I picture more like of a uh you um uh, m- mentioned um not Pearl, but what's the, the other one? X. Yeah, so that was kind of more of the style that I was picturing, but I, I'm totally down to 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 try Grindhouse or to maybe even do like, like a Grindhouse cut that maybe is like that maybe includes a lot more blood right right or like includes like the really gross stuff that was a we do a like you know that was another thing that i was thinking is how how gory do you want this to be so this is something that you and me had talked about last night as well because you sir are a king of gore oh stop it um and that is something that I always wanted to do. I just wanted to get fucking gross with it, dude. I wanted to have, you know, people cutting their jugulars and intestines. And I uh, actually learned a lot about filmmaking from a YouTube, from a YouTube channel called uh, Film Riot. Um, and they have a lot of tutorials on practical gore stuff. And uh, because I was, you know, born in and raised in the particular home that I was, my parents would never let me, you know, purchase gallons and gallons of fake blood and, you know, things to use to make, you know, guts and intestines and brains. And I think the the bloodiest thing I did is I did do a film where we tore out like a dude's uh, heart and it was literally an, an, an it was literally a like uncooked piece of ch- chicken <laughs> that I just that that I essentially that I essentially stole out of our fridge when I came home last or uh, when I came home that night. My like mom was like, "Where did our chicken go?" <laughs> but uh, um, that that was shady voices, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I so, like that one. So now that I'm an adult and I can spend my own cash on whatever I want, uh, yeah, let's 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 go very practical with this. Um, now I'm not saying let's go like to like 
tariff higher type stuff. Um, but let's explore that. Like, 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 let's let's get some practical effects. Let's get some latex. Um, uh, I want to squish an eyeball. <laughs> do you know anybody who can do um, like makeup effects? Oh yeah, tons. Okay. So yeah, see, yeah, yeah. with all the effects in mind, if you notice, it was all um, just blood. Like we never used any like uh, gory intestine type things. The closest thing we ever came to was there was a scene in Twisted Figment where um, the dude gets his leg stabbed by a screwdriver, and with that, it mm. was literally just a, a close up of some blue jeans, and we stuck a cantaloupe in the blue jeans and stabbed a screwdriver through it. Well, and it's not hard to do that stuff either. Yeah, no. Like you just get some. Latex, you build like a little, you know, a pile. You kind of poke it in there and you put on some blood and like you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. Uh, but one of the cool things about about growing up where I did is um, I, I actually do know a lot of people that do that type of stuff. Um, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like this will look like it had a a budget um what is the which, what is like the budget you're shooting for 500 maybe um 500 bucks for like a 5 to 7 minute you know uh that's ambitious <laughs> huh that's ambitious <laughs> that's true but we already have most of what the expensive budget would go to yeah like we already have cameras, already have microphones, already have lights, and we have a location that we don't have to pay for. So that five hundred bucks is literally costume and um, blood. <laughs> like, so I'll tell you how we're gonna source our costumes. Right, you're gonna go to the closest town that's near to a bunch of farmland, go to Goodwill, and you're gonna find a bunch of old farmers' clothes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and okay, so uh, this is going to make Texas sound weird as shit. Um, in public schools here, we have like country days. So, like, literally, like, if you go to literally anybody's house in Texas and go in their closet, they have like a pair of like overalls and a cowboy hat. Because we grew up with like with like country days. <laughs> to be fair, that sounds exactly like something I would expect from Texas. <laughs> but that's the thing is that Texas is not what most. I I have straight up been asked non like ironically if we like ride like horses here, and it is true that sometimes when you're driving down the street, you'll see somebody. That is walking on a horse. It's not the most unusual thing in the world, but it's not like we all own our own. Like, I don't think I know anybody that owns their own horse still. I knew people that had them growing up or or they had them as as part of a like school program because because uh, we do uh, like um a uh, a farm program i don't know if you guys um do that but there is a class you can take in school 
where they give you a like cow and you have to like take care of it. Um, not to my knowledge. <laughs> no, dude. So okay, this is a total tangent. So uh, this class, which is an elective, um, but you, but you can have like a cow, you can have a pig, you can have chickens. And you take care of them for one year, and then at the end of the school year, you uh, take them to a like auction, and people and people uh, purchase them, and then you can use the the you can use that cash to put towards school, or if you want to use it to then purchase a cow again and kind of st- start over, you know what I mean um you can well so that's not a class that i did but i did do yearbook and i went with them to uh to like take pictures and during the like auctions i would look into the eyes of the cow or whatever and i swear to you they could tell they (laughs) knew like yeah that's kind of hard. You feel you you figure the kid would get attached to a cow and stuff like that, taking care of it all that time. I think they like beat it out of you. Oh. I think like when you begin the like class, they get a like stick and they're like, "Your cow's gonna die." And no, I'm just kidding. Um, your, your cow's <laughs> gonna be a burger one day. <laughs> but no, but yeah. Um, Mark Wahlberg is buying your cow tomorrow, <laughs> and you could go and see him again, but you gotta eat him. <laughs> If you want to see your cow, you can pay ten dollars and twenty cents like the rest of us. <laughs> give give that mo- give that cow money to Maki Mock. <laughs> we uh we should do a whole podcast on just the things we do in Texas schools. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here I am thinking that it's just a it's a requirement if you go to Texas, you gotta ride a horse, have a six shooter, and wear a ten gallon hat. But I'm glad that you uh stomped that misconception. Well, you do have to wear a 10-gallon hat. Okay. That is true. Well, the first time we ever do a video podcast version of this show, you have to wear your 10-gallon hat. Where is it? It's in storage or something. (laughs) Uh, I'm not letting you come on video until you're wearing it because, like, I don't want to get fined by the Texas, uh, you know, governors or anything like that. Like, uh, I need to make sure that we're all – everything's overboard, you know? Two beef patties, mother and jalapeno sauce. This podcast has been brought to you by the uh, the Texas Cowboy Hats of Texas. Um, I support this m- message, and if you are in Texas, you will get your free uh, Whataburger hat. And uh, I I I don't know where I where I was going with this. Uh, guys, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We enjoyed you enjoying this podcast. Did you enjoy us? Uh, JT, let the people know where they can find you at. I am always available on TikTok at JT the Talking Head, on YouTube at JT the Talking Head, but you could probably find me better by just searching JT Petri. That's JT P E T T R Y, and on Letterboxd, JT Talking Head. Know thee there. Do you do letterbox Teo? I don't. I feel like it's like Snapchat. I didn't. Ju- I didn't jump on the trend when it was cool, and now it is too late to join. You have to do it. 
You have to do it. Uh, Teo is going to have a letterbox by the time this comes up. Uh, and I'll tell you why. I just started it myself. I've only done about seven films reviewed on there. And you don't have to go super in-depth. You can just be like, yeah. I liked it. Um, but you have to do it because we have to make sure that all the masters have it because Drew has one and so does Zed. So you can't be the odd man out, Teo. My letterbox will be the Pinky Nips, 25. Um, I think it should be the, the Texan Terminal. The Texan Terminal. The Texan Terminal. <laughs> I, uh, you can find me on all platforms except for the letterbox. Oh. Terminal. <laughs> That is T E R M I N U R T L E Terminurtle. What is a Terminurtle? It is a Terminurtle. It <laughs> what is, you can tell it's a Terminurtle because of the way that it is. Uh, it is a Terminator turtle. I didn't think I had to spell that one out for so many people. You'd be surprised. They're like, "What is your name? Like, what is it?" Well, whenever I first started searching you up, I would I would spell it Terminurtle. Terminurtle. Put that extra T in there. Uh, a, a, a small tidbit I, before, before one of my best friends in the world, a Brady had the good sense to, to tell me, Hey, you should probably go with Terminurtle. My name was almost the Terminator. <laughs> and I wanted it to be Turt like a, a turtle, but it sounded like Turd. <laughs> Yeah. Every time I think of your name, I'm just like teenage mutant terminurtles, teenage mutant terminurtles, turtles in a hash shell. I'll be back. <laughs> Cowabunga, dude! Why is that not the theme song at the beginning of every <laughs> one of my podcasts? We wait. The Masters of Matinee need a theme song. So I was at, cause I know that you do music and I know that you rap and yeah. I was going to actually ask you if you wanted to do that. I was going to ask you, I'll, I'll leave this on air, but I was going to ask you off air. So we didn't, so the audience didn't know yet. I was just going to have it pop up one day and be like, yo, but, uh, they might let's, let's have them see the Genesis of this. If you would like to do that. I will only do it if I can rap in my best vanilla ice impression. Okay, it's well, the master of matinee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm just kidding. It will be good. <laughs> All I can say to that is uh, ditch that zero and get with the hero. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, I uh, I think that Vanilla Ice. Um, Let me put it already- this way: I un- I unironically enjoy Vanilla Ice. Oh yeah. I won't show no shame for that. I unironically enjoy Ice. Well, this has been a great podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Terminal's last podcast with us. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Shut up, dude! Why you you eat at the restaurant from Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Come on, bro. <laughs> Why did you leave me in charge? Okay, so before we started recording, JT was like, "Yeah, so if if you just want to do like a freaking qu- quick outro, that's totally cool." It's now been like ten minutes, and we're just like rambling on. I have become unhinged with power. Tell tell them where they can listen to the podcast. All the platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, on YouTube, and on Google Play. Is that yes? Google Podcast. Google Podcast. Yeah. Uh, 
This has been JT the Talking Head. This has been Terminotal. You are still the audience, so know your place. And we will catch you on the next one. Say goodnight, Teo. Good morning. Oh, my God. <laughs>